When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more. Welcome to Fury's Finest, the podcast devoted to the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? It's a good day, Jesse. Every day is a day closer to Moon Knight. Very close, right? It's right around the corner, and man, I'm so excited. It's just unbelievable. It's going to be really nice to have some weekly TV to really look forward to again. I guess I'm showing my age now that I've got appointment television, but yeah, it's going to be cool. And the fact that the uh, MCU is about to have a first big forays post Spider-Man, I think it's going to be fun. Absolutely, Chris. And you're not old. I mean, appointment television is fun. It's, it's a nice, healthy, fun thing that, you know, the irony of this is like, I absolutely adore the Disney Plus format, as Chris knows, and I think the listeners know because I've probably mentioned it many times before, but like, I just appreciate it so much that they have more the HBO format rather than the Netflix format. Like, I don't want every episode of Moon Knight dropped within one day and just people posting spoilers online and, and binging it and just people forgetting about all those middle episodes entirely. Like, I think there's so much value and the anticipation of every Wednesday, got that new episode of the Marvel or Star Wars show, and I get to like watch it and absorb it, think about it for the week, and then come fresh to the next week to a new episode. It's it's really, really an, a fun experience. I used to be on Team Binge, but tell you, Disney Plus and, and HBO have won me over. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're absolutely correct. The, the binging it, all it ever leads to is remembering the first and last episode for me, and then vague i liked this person and that person but it's not a race you know it's really not we're enjoying art here hey let's be honest it's nice for content creators to be able to space this stuff out that's something you and i have talked about chris and hopefully we're going to maybe do some mini episodes where we cover moon knight as the show goes on whether it be on the main feed or after dark we haven't fully decided but it's an exciting time and you know the last thing i'll say about moon knight you know and i just feel like this is such a treat but Obviously, the show stars the incredible Oscar Isaac, but opposite of him is Ethan Hawke. And, you know, these are two of my favorite actors, period, today. And so, like, for me to say, oh, we're getting a darker Disney Plus Marvel show, that's 
victory number one. Number two, we're getting a darker Disney Plus show about Moon Knight, victory number two. And then the third part is uh, we got two great leading character actors. And then we have, I'm assuming, a great cast of supporting actors that I'm just excited to see who is also going to be in this show. It's going to be incredible because that that's a stacked cast and I think appropriately cast for the feel of Moon Knight, Chris. You are so much better at remembering actors names and previous works than I am. So I trust you that the cast is going to be awesome. But I'm just excited that Moon Knight gets his time to shine. And uh, not to mention that, but it's just inching closer to Doctor Strange. Mm. It's just a good time. We, we've survived the lull. You're absolutely right, Chris. And Doctor Strange, it's so exciting because we've seen what Marvel's willing to do now with some of the ventures out of their comfort zones with things like Eternals and Shang-Chi. And then of course doing something, getting out of the comfort zone, but also like making everyone super excited and happy with something like Spider-Man No Way Home. So it's like now the bar has been set, I feel with Dr. Strange, because it's going to be a big event, man. This movie's going to be a big event, not just for Strange, the character finally getting his second film and even returning characters like Mordo and Wong getting a lot more screen time and stuff. Let's not forget the whole reason WandaVision existed. A lot of it was for this very movie because we actually have the Scarlet Witch in this whole film as well. The implications, you and I talked about this, the implications of opening up the MCU in different ways, the multiverse, it's fully here and we're going to see what they've been building towards with that. Hopefully, hopefully they don't find another way to string us along. For, for the next movie, you know? They could do that as well. They could. That's not out of the world of <laughs> possibilities. It's a non-zero chance, right? Yeah. But also, Chris, like, it's an exciting time for MCP. So, S.H.I.E.L.D. and Shadowlands Daredevil have been pushed back a little bit. But I'm hoping that's just a temporary thing. You know, but also... We're still in this new age of MCP where we still have all these new models that just dropped on us in a huge way. And you and I haven't even played them all yet. And we're kind of digging into that, playing that, playing new teams. And now today on Furious Finest, we're shifting gears because we are done with the Spider-Foes, Chris, which is a crazy thing to say. We're done with the Spider-Foes until hopefully some future Spider-Foes release. So now we're kind of doing a couple mini series leading up to a bigger block of a team in the future, which we're not going to announce yet. But today's episode revolves around Asgard because when I say miniseries, we only have two Asgard characters we haven't done on the show, Chris. Just two. And they're two pretty big characters in the world of MCP. Absolute powerhouses, these two. So this episode, we're starting with Enchantress. And next episode, we will be doing Angela. So we'll be closing out our Asgardian series. So if you want to pick up, maybe listen to our Asgard episodes of the past, we're going to kind of pick up where we left off. But also, Chris, we've got a whole new perspective on Asgard now than we did in mere 2020. Because it's been that long since we've been in Asgard. We do have a much broader perspective of not only that, but the game. So, you know, maybe maybe look forward to a little Asgard update, Theory's Finest style. Absolutely. So I think we just got to get into this episode with Enchantress today because she is an important piece in Asgard. And as you said, Chris, a powerhouse piece in the game. Theory's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games, Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy our show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution and joining our patron discord. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. And Chris, this week, we have a new patron of the week that we have to give a shout out to, Joe M. Thank you, Joe. Joe, thank you so much. And... 
like every week, we have to throw the biggest of shout outs to our Avenger level producers, our power pack, the Zack Attack, Rusty, and Dylan. Thank you so much, guys. But wait, Chris, there's more. Oh, no. We have a brand new Avenger level producer. A new challenger has entered. That's right. We are returning back to our Fantastic Four because now we have a fourth Avenger. That is Nathan C. Nathan, thank you for becoming an Avenger. Thank you for making this show happen. We talk about this every time an Avenger happens, Chris, but the Avengers actually keep the lights on for this show and keep us working and motivated and keep me editing because they're paying the bills and that really helps. We truly appreciate it. So thank you, Nathan, and look forward to your future shout outs on every episode. But Chris, that's it for the patron shout out. I think we just got to get into our lore on Enchantress. That's right, Jesse. And the Enchantress is a very interesting character and not necessarily from an in-game perspective. Well, in-game, I mean, in comics perspective. It, she is. She's very powerful. She's uh, in and around a lot of cool storylines. But there's something you guys might know as fellow nerds. There is an Enchantress in DC as well. Yes. Neither company could get a trademark, so both companies can have a can have an enchantress it's it's uh very interesting i don't know the answer to that chris and i don't know if you know either but is it just because a enchantress is you know these are just like words it's not some sort of like trademark thing right. like batman right it's the same reason magic the gathering isn't just magic you can't trademark the word magic right so yeah that's what happened here but n- not only that but within marvel itself we have two enchantresses But today, we focus on the first Enchantress, Amora. So, we like to have a little discussion going a little bit about the character before we really dive in. And and Enchantress is very, very much in the vein of Loki, as she is, you know, kind of an arcane trickster type. Her tricks are a little bit different, though. It's, It's more of a romantic nature most of the time. Her illusions are better than Loki's, for one. And and she's she's got a lot of other things going, including light time play. But unlike Loki, Amora does not have a, a, a an ancient Norse analog. She is her own character. She she is not a, a Norse god in any way, but she has been included in the Marvel pantheon of Norse gods. What exactly can Enchantress do? She is Asgardian, so of course she has superhuman strength, speed, stamina, durability, but of course she's not so much as a physical fighter. So she prefers to have others do that for her, though she is capable. Enchantress is a very skilled magician, one of the most skilled magicians in Asgard. Her only rival is Loki. She's very, very powerful. She can produce protective energy shields very good illusions, uh, levitation, conjuration, transmutation, telekinesis, mind switching, and mind control. And as I said earlier, a little bit of light time manipulation. She is a renowned, a universe renowned beauty in the Marvel 616 universe. And she has used magic to enhance her allure. Not to say she that, that she needs it, guys. She's she's just gorgeous. Come on. 
One caveat of her powers is that they diminish when she is away from Asgard. They never disappear all the way, but she does have to go to Asgard to recharge, as it were, though she can suck people's life force to recharge, Jesse. Right. Yeah, just real pleasant stuff. Amara's first appearance in comics is in Journey into Mystery number 103 in April 1964. And like so many others, she is created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Another one of those longtime characters, Chris, from the early 60s. It is another one of those longtime characters. And like many of those characters, she disappeared for quite some time. She's been around a long time, but not just a ton of history. She kind of shows up, does her thing, and leaves. But she first started showing up and doing her thing and leaving in Asgard when she was born. Her parentage is unknown, but she did have a sister by the name of Lorelai. Amara began learning magic as an apprentice to Carnilla, Queen of the Norns, but was eventually banished. She continued to study magic, uh, mostly by hanging out with other musicians and just cozying up to them and trying to learn their skills. And that 100% worked. She is really good. In her first appearance in Marvel, she is sent by Odin to Earth to eliminate Thor's love interest, Jane Foster. And this would kind of establish that pattern of Enchantress being in love with Thor. She can never quite achieve, you know, a relationship with Thor. She never goes about it in a proper way. She's always trying to use magic and trick him and and whatnot. She's very, very similar to Loki in a lot of ways, including the, you know, kind of obsession with Thor. She just can't not be tricky. She's, it's just her nature. And Thor's just not about that. For a lot of the time in Marvel Comics, she has had a bodyguard slash personal assistant in The Executioner, uh, who had an excellent, excellent appearance in the last Thor movie. So after being thwarted by Thor in this assassination plot of Jane Foster, Odin would banish Enchantress. She would then kind of uh, start working with Baron Zemo. She would almost always have at least someone kind of doing her bidding, some kind of person under her or thrall, I guess it would, it would be. But she just is kind of a natural leader in a lot of ways uh, as she just forms teams a lot of the time. She's, she's formed so many teams to fight the Avengers in, you know, the sisterhood. She poses as Valkyrie and forms the Lady Liberators. She leads an army of trolls against, no, not the internet, <laughs> against Asgard. She has also uh, given quite a few superheroes their powers, uh, including the original Power Man, Eric Jostin. She was involved in the Secret Wars, the original. Uh, she was put on the villain team, but as you might Imagine, you know, she's kind of that that very independent, the very tweener. No one can really tell her what to do. So she just kind of didn't participate. She actually tried to get Thor to just leave with her to go back to Asgard. Her and her sister have a very intense rivalry, which will culminate in Amara letting her sister perish and not not saving her at the, by sacrificing her own life. She's just that classic self-centered, you know, much like Loki, she is a very self-important, self-centered kind of person. It's very hard for her to sacrifice. 
really anything her own her own power her good time i mean even even looking like she's not in control is is hard for her at one point uh, after leading a uh, scourge the executioner on for so long uh, he finally realizes it's never going to happen man and he much like uh, spoilers in ragnarok kind of uh, sacrifices himself for the better betterment of his people it, it he does this exactly this in the comics in a, you know in a different way but it ends up being very much the same you know plot points and when enchantress hears this she she's really 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 touched and eventually she resurrects him she creates a new executioner this time not scourge it is an earthling brute benhurst what a good name which goes along with her kind of, you know, giving people powers. They will together attack Doctor Strange and be defeated by Clea, whom I'm excited to do an episode on. But this is kind of just what she's going to do, guys. She's going to she's going to come in, trick some people, maybe do some mind switching, body swaps, you know, always preferring to get people to fight for her or to cast illusions to get them to turn on their friends. She does this with Thor at one point in the Avengers. She's extremely powerful, like many of these characters that were developed in the 60s because their powers were not fully defined. They were kind of whatever the writer needed at the time. And that's 100% how she has the time manipulation powers and just kind of a little bit of everything. She is still around today in today's comics. She is uh, working with Malekith, the leader of the Dark Elves, uh, in an excellent, excellent Thor run by the end of Jason Aaron's uh, Thor run is when this all happens. And it's just fantastic. And she plays a very, very major part in it and i would highly recommend you all read it interesting chris that they took a lot of these enchantress plot points and applied them on hella and thor ragnarok right of course the scourge storyline all that you mentioned very interesting take on this and on something i'm going to talk about here in a minute with the mcu discussion some directions they're going with sylvie as well absolutely it kind of feels like sylvie and hella were amalgamations Mm -hmm. of amara and I don't know. She might. What you know? What if she shows up in a in a movie coming out soon? What are they going to do then? That's a good question. I, I don't know if she is. I think it's going to be Sylvie. I think Sylvie is going to become the Enchantress. I think so as well. And I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> I, I'm totally fine with Sylvie being the next Enchantress. But part of me hopes. Part of me hopes. So let's just touch on these points while we're here now, Chris, because we we kind of seamlessly transition to MCU. So it's not canon in the MCU, but it was semi-canon at the time. Now it's been done away with. But Enchantress was a larger part, Chris, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They actually did kind of the more traditional Enchantress. It's now kind of been retconned that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is in a different timeline of sorts. And it was never canon to begin with, but now it's kind of been even done away with in a different way but interesting that sylvie the female loki is canon and in fact i don't give away too many spoilers of the loki show because you and i touted how much we loved it and how we highly recommend it but one of the elements of sylvie's powers that is strongly emphasized in the show that loki does not have access to at all her ability to enchant and to body swap quite well and 
essentially her power set mirrors Enchantress more than her power set mirrors Loki's power set. And they kind of make that clear. And that actually ends up being a plot point because it helps them work together and overcome obstacles. And they learn from each other in different ways, more than just their characters, but their power sets as well. I just find it so interesting that... When she first comes on screen, I thought she might be Enchantress, and then they make it clear that she's Loki. I was very sold on it being Enchantress immediately as well, yeah. And then you realize that, well, this is the MCU. They can do whatever they want, and they do interesting things all the time, breathe new life into old characters. And I think this would be a way to do it. Yeah, her name's Sylvie, and she's a female Loki, but really she's just becoming the Enchantress by the end of the show. And in the future, she could be at this power level of Amora that we've come to know and learn about. But time will tell on something we can discuss in the future. But I think that's the closest thing we have in the MCU to Enchantress right now. But I'm pretty convinced that Sylvie's going to become Enchantress. And I am super excited about it, just like I was excited about Wanda becoming the full-on Scarlet Witch, because... I think it opens up interesting villain storylines in the future that we haven't necessarily had in the past. The MCU, you know, well-written characters that we know potentially becoming villains is very powerful if executed well to the audience, you know? Well, if they really are going to take that route with Enchantress, she is just like Loki. I mean, whether it's Amara or Sylvie, she definitely always an anti-hero, you know? Right. It's, it's what's... They're going to fight for Asgard. They're going to fight against Asgard. You never really know. That's one of the things that has helped the Loki character become such a beloved character in pop culture by Marvel MCU fans. You know, he just he's always entertaining no matter which way it's going. Absolutely. And I would say, too, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, Chris, but what makes Enchantress interesting, but maybe not quite as interesting as Loki, at least in the comics is, yeah, she's anti-hero a lot of the times, but a lot of times she's just mainly a villain and Loki kind of ebbs and flows a bit more between those two facets. I think so. Loki's also got a lot more appearances. So maybe if you put, uh, maybe if you put it on like an appearance by appearance basis, I don't know that the ratio would be too terribly different. And interesting, you know, the Loki we have in the MCU, it goes from villain to anti-hero to yes. hero, you know, and that's kind of the direction they've chosen with our Loki. Sophia D. Martino does an incredible job as Sylvie, and I think she's what we have in the MCU that's our closest thing to Enchantress. And, you know, if you haven't seen Loki, watch her performance, watch their interactions. It's an incredibly well-made show, and I really look forward to the future of her character in the MCU. But that's going to be it for Laura, right, Chris? Because you got to close out with a comic book recommendation because Enchantress has so many. Well, we're going we're gonna to go a little bit back. Not all the way back. I'm going to recommend that you guys hit Thor, the Walt Simonson run, volume one, issues, you know, 350 to 360-ish. Maybe just don't stop reading. Just keep going. Walt Simonson's awesome. All right. So a lot of Enchantress in that particular series, which is very good. Well, Chris, that's it for Laura Enchantress. So I think now we got to move into her strategy because she is a pretty complex Marvel Crisis Protocol character. Her name is Enchantress and her alter ego is Amora. Her defenses are two physical, two energy, five mystic. She has a height of two, a threat cost of four. On her healthy side, she has a stamina of six and she has a medium move on a small base. So she's an average moving character. And Chris, on her injured side, her stamina goes down to five, giving her a total of 11. Defenses aside, her height, threat, movement, and stamina are right in line with a lot of those fours 
we see in the game. Well, she has to pay a price somewhere for this wall of text that is her card. So, you know, it, it makes sense that the defenses are a little low. And you know with these caster types, they always get a little weird oh, yeah. with the defenses, make them a little bit convoluted so there is maybe a way around it or a price for paying, using more dice on a caster. Exactly. So it's always interesting how to see how uh, Atomic Mask goes about doing caster defenses. Well, and it's super fun, Chris, to do this on our show because, you know, inadvertently with the way we structured our episodes, Mysterio came after Enchantress and he was his design was very clearly based off of her a little bit, especially in the defense department. And her and Ebony Ma were the first pieces in MCP with these sort of, as you just mentioned, caster, interesting strengths and weaknesses in their defenses. And I find it's very cool that we're kind of just examining the second character like this, and we're going to get in Convocation in the future. And Convocation, you're going to see this trend continue, like you said, someone like Ancient One with out-of-control mystic defense, but a low physical defense. I, I like this trend that they started with the mages. It's good. And, and like I said before, it just gives more opportunity for counterplay, but from both sides, because all, all of these are kind of double-edged swords in a way. So yeah, it, it's just, it's always fun. I, I just love to see what new things or, or new ideas AMG can bring to these wackier characters. Absolutely, Chris. And I think this is some of the most interesting characters in the game, the wizards and mages, because AMG truly is flexing their game design muscles. And we're going to start with her attacks. Her first attack is an energy attack called Spurned Affection. It's a beam three range, strength of five, power cost of zero. After each attack is resolved, Enchantress gains one power. So this is not a builder. This is a gainer, but this is a gainer with a beam, which means, you know, worst case scenario, Chris, like say you lay the beam over three people, you don't do any damage, but you perform three attacks. You're going to gain three power. That's very big. Not the worst. And beam three I know, I know. Just, oh my gosh. We're going back to Vision here, right? And this is going to be a fun episode for us because we've learned a lot about Marvel Christ Protocol since we did the Vision episode. And beams are incredibly powerful because you're netting multiple attacks with one Mm -hmm. action. And range three is not bad. And to close out this attack, we have a wild trigger of sap power before damage is dealt. Very important. The target character loses one power for each wild in your attack roll. And then Enchantress gains that amount of power. So you just need wilds, Chris. You just need them. And you take power. Always. Always. Yeah. Good point. I've got that tattooed on my knuckles. Need wilds. Need wilds. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't fit. I have an extra knuckle. Don't worry. Let's talk about her next attack, her spender. She's only got two attacks. I'm just thinking of your other knuckle and it doesn't actually say wilds. It's just it's just it's just a bunch of wilds on all your knuckles. <laughs> oh, that's just the wild symbol from MCP. Yeah. <laughs> commitment. Commitment. <laughs> Commit to the bit, folks. Uh sap power is good, Chris. I mean, we we've talked about oh, it I before, love it. but we can obviously talk with more We've been around long enough to talk more about the power of things like Sap Power. They had early instances of in the game like Modoc and stuff, but now we know truly how powerful it is. You take resources away from your opponent and then you gain those resources. It's unbelievably powerful. I love it. I use it on Rogue all the time. Oh gosh, Rogue's so good at it. Oh, I know. She's she's a good one. <laughs> so let's talk about her next attack, her spender, as it were. This is a mystic attack. Goes by the name of Enthrall. It is a range three, strength seven, power cost of three attack. It has three triggers. The first trigger is triggered on one wild. This is 
slow. If you roll two wilds, you trigger stun. If you roll three wilds, you will trigger stagger. Stagger is very, very good. Very hard to get. Now, I do have a question, Jesse. Of course. If I roll two wilds, is your character slowed and stunned? Great question, Chris. That is correct. First time we saw oh this was, my on, goodness. was on the Incredible Hulk, right? When he can give out multiple conditions as long as he gets the wild triggers. As long as you get the appropriate amount of wilds, you can kind of backtrack it, right? So the goal is to get the three wilds because stagger is just the goal, period. But then, of course, you put slow and stun on them. Like They're going to shake their stagger, and then now they're going to move short. Mm, very powerful. And we, we also can't underestimate, just like sap power, once again, you're seeing a trend here. She is a powerful control piece. Sap power, you're taking power from them and gaining for yourself. Stun, you know, stun is one of the most debilitating abilities in the entire game, especially put on a big character, Chris, because if Thor's stunned and you're doing a bunch of damage to him, he's gaining one power. And then he's not gaining the benefit that we all love so much in MCP, where characters get hurt, but they gain a bunch of power, right? So it's the best part. It's control. This is some incredible control, man. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason she's frustrating to play against and the thrall one of them it is and the irony of this is this is probably the thing you're going to do least on her entire card exactly and it's it's still frustrating and powerful but we're going to move on to her superpowers because this character has six her first superpower is an active superpower called amora's kiss it costs three power rightfully so and so it says action so if you perform the superpower you are spending an action is one of those superpowers that does take an action Choose an enemy character within range one of Enchantress. Move one asset or civilian token the chosen character is holding to Enchantress. This character is now holding that token. This character may not hold more tokens than the crisis specifies. Chris, you know, this character was in every list for a long time and is partially because of this. Well, there's a reason you're seeing some characters with similar abilities in a lot of lists right now. Yes. But Oh my goodness, this is so incredibly powerful. It's, once again, so frustrating to play against. <laughs> well, and what's cool about hers, range one, a little range bit Range one is counterable. You just have to be aware that it's there. Thanks for listening to the show. Absolutely, right, Chris? But what's fun about hers is that some of these new characters, some of the Miles, Voodoos, and Black Hats don't necessarily have at all times. She just takes it. A lot of those other characters make you drop it, right? They just make right. you drop it, and then they take it through interacting, and there's there's more steps and there's more power involved. This is just three power, which is a lot, but you kind of got to think about it. It's two power, and you're paying a one power interact tax, but it's just cool because you just take it and then get that objective out of there. Run away. Well, let's move on to her next superpower, Jesse. It is another active superpower. It is Hell Hath No Fury, but of course, it's H-E-L. Such a nice touch. It's the Hella Hell. Not the other hell. Right. Which there are like four in Marvel. It will cost you three. Choose an interactive terrain feature, size two or less, within range three. Throw it medium. This superpower can only be used once per turn. It is no secret that on Fury's Finest, we love throws. We love throws and we love Pierce. We do. And this is one of them. I mean, we can never understate Chris throws, right? Something I've been talking about since the game first came out. It's That's true. One of the coolest parts of the game, in my opinion and how powerful they are is a big deal. Now, I love the theme of this, Chris, where it's like Lizard has a bigger throw, but he has to get closer. His is, his is a size three, range two. 
Hers is only a size two, which is a pretty small throw for the game, but it's within range three and she throws a medium. So it's not one of the best throws in the game, but it's just, it's consistent. Like she's always going to reach something with that range three, you know? So it's kind of like a balancing act. And it's just another tool in her tool bag too. Way to spend power. It's something to spend power on. It's something to get those size two uh, scatter pieces off the board. So Magneto can't throw them or whatever. Love it. Yeah, it's the fact that she has it and a way to steal objective tokens on the same kit is pretty impressive. Oh, it gets more impressive, Chris. Probably her most powerful ability we're about to read. What? It's an active ability called Siren's Call. So once again, all three of these have been active, Chris, so these have to take place on Enchantress turn. So Siren's Call costs two power, and it reads like this. Choose an enemy character within range three of Enchantress and advance that character short. Notice it doesn't say towards away it just advance them short any direction of your choice this superpower can be used only once per turn now this used to be unlimited times and this is one of the big changes <laughs> they've made on her card thank goodness and it's part of the reason why i'm so happy we're doing her card now chris we can realistically look at this critically and you know how powerful it is just through this means is very powerful right it's not an action and you get to move a character short yeah that's it's pretty powerful. Yeah. I mean, it's powerful as is. Right. Siren's Call is something you should try to use every turn. Right. But yeah, when it was unlimited, I mean, just the Siren's Call them right up to you. Amora's kiss them and yep. run away. Oh, let's also not forget to mention you can Siren's Call them. Back away from you as well. Oh, back away from you or off objectives late in around. Right. But also, Chris, this yeah. has so much versatility. Like she can Siren's Call someone into her beam. And now she beams, gets more mm-hmm. power, resolving all those different beams. And now she can pay for her his Amora's kiss or something, for instance, on top of all that. This is big stuff. This is big stuff. Her next three superpowers are all innate superpowers. The first one is, of course, she is an Asgardian. She will gain one more power during the power phase. Huge. She has two powers. She's Siren's Calling oh. every turn. Right, exactly. It's it's massive. You don't have a true builder on this character. You've got a gainer, like you said. So uh, having that additional power in the power phase is huge. The next innate superpower she has is enchanting. When an enemy character targets Enchantress with an attack, Enchantress may use her mystic defense regardless of the attack's type unless the attacking character pays two power. So when you're attacking her, you are you're attacking into five dice unless you pay the tax. Right. And that's just another excellent control tool in her kit, which is just littered with control. It's everywhere. Everything she does is control, and it's all at least good. Right, because, I mean, at her best, she's getting to use an insanely high defense on a four threat. But at her worst, she's just taxing you and taking your power on top of taking your power through sap power, on top of taking your, your objectives, and on top of moving you wherever she wants and then potentially, like you said, Chris, doing spender attacks and controlling you. So she's a very powerful control piece, but let's not forget her attacks are energy and mystic. She can do some damage too, because a lot of characters are weak to either energy or mystic. A five energy beam yeah. is really not it's not terrible. Not a lot to laugh at. And then seven dice on her mystic attack can just be devastating to some teams. Absolutely, Chris. And of course, closing out her card, just creating a consistent character. I mean- Her last superpower is an innate superpower called flight. So yes, she's an average speed mover. She's a small base with a medium move, but she's never going to be hindered by terrain. She's always going to get to be where she wants to go. And that's a big deal. 
I love flight. That's actually one of the things that's the most frustrating about that X-Force list I'm running right now is there's right. only one character with flight in the list. Beast has wall crawling, which yeah. is the same. The so same. Yeah. that's nice. But there's only one true flight character in the list. So I really do have to think about, you know, where Rogue is going to get placed and you know, what she's going to be doing is she's the one that can do a lot. It's so true. I mean, Storm has flight too, right, Chris? But we know where she's sitting on the back of the map. She's not making the table very often with this particular bag. Well, it is good, Chris, that Rogue has flight because Rogue can do whatever she wants. But closing out Enchantress's card here, like this is a versatile character. And we got to talk about the team she's on because she's on, she is on two teams and they're the obvious teams, but we're going to talk about them here. She is on Asgard as her first team and she is on Cabal as her second team. Now, something I'm going to do, Chris, which we haven't done on our show before, I'm going to return to a leadership because it's been a really long time since we talked about Asgard. And um, I think we might have undersold it in our Thor episode. I 100% know we did, actually. As the game has gone on and, well, go into it. We'll we'll get Okay, so on Thor's Thor, Prince of Asgard, he has the leadership Prince of Asgard, affiliation Asgard. At the start of each of your turns... Not rounds. At the start of each of your turns, one allied character may spend one power. If they do, they remove one damage or one special condition from that character that spent the power. Each allied character may use this leadership once per round. You can't double stack it or, you know, anything right. like that. But this is big, Chris. This is a big deal with Enchantress because this is a big deal with all Asgardians because number one, they're Asgardians, so they get two power every turn. So they can always pay to heal themselves one damage or remove right. something huge like a shock, stagger, incinerate, right? Honestly, stun really can hurt them quite a bit, especially when you're talking about like a Thor. Absolutely. And these are obviously great characters outside of their affiliation. But it's worth mentioning here while we are here in this context of Enchantress. So Enchantress's biggest weakness, Chris, is her health is not that high for a four threat. I mean, there's a lot of three threats that have her health or higher. Her defenses are good if you manage it right. But her being an Asgard really helps because she never wants to be, as you mentioned, stunned, even shocked, right? That beam value goes down a lot. She never wants to be incinerated or staggered ever. Because number one, stagger, she's got a lot of things she wants to do every turn. Some of them require actions. And if she's spending actions to remove a stagger, it's just, this is not going to happen. So the leadership's really powerful there. But of course, keeping her healthy is the biggest power of that. So I think Asgard is an obvious fit, but it's actually a very powerful fit for this character. And it's fun that we return to Asgard and talk about that because we haven't talked about Asgard since 2020. And hopefully we'll get to do, you know, a big Asgard revisit sometime in the future with uh, more characters being added uh, it is one of the i what it's the smallest affiliation in the game so you know asgard and wakanda being the smallest i think they're both gonna grow i hope in the future yeah me too on both counts so let's talk about her being in cabal specifically red skulls cabal because that's really the cabal yes. you're thinking about when you take her if she deals damage she gains one more power this is out of control that's Chris, huge because now her beam is just online like we already talked about the amount of characters you lay it over that's how much power you're going to gain no matter what even if you don't deal damage then if you deal damage on each one of those beams, you could potentially gain red skull power, red skull power, red skull power. And she's going to have enough power to do everything she wants to do. You know, ironically, this is probably her best team because we talked about this, her kit. She has a three cost spender. She has a three cost Amoris kiss. She has a three cost throw. She has a two cost sirens call. Yes, she's Asgardian and have two power to do a lot of these things, but Red Skull just makes her sing essentially because she can do all of it right. every turn, right? 
And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. It's an absolutely huge deal. She is so absolutely powerful and in the Asgardians. Right. And being able to just absolutely throw everything she's got, every activation. That's just wild, man. Like, that's so many things, which is why they had to nerf Siren's Call. Let's be honest. Absolutely. I mean, it just had to happen, right? It was it was too big of a thing. So let's, let's talk about other teams, I guess, Chris. She can fit anywhere. That's really the power of this character. If you need a control piece that deals consistently good damage, not out of control damage, but good damage, but that has all these control tools, she can fit on any team. And that's why we saw her in so many places in the game for so long. And, you know, I think it's kind of weird, but this is something you and I have talked off mic a lot about. I think since she got reduced in her power a little bit, there's an over-exaggeration of people being fearful of using her because she got hit by some mild nerfs. Right. She is still 100% out of control. You said it just a little bit of go. Enchantress does what Enchantress wants. That hasn't changed at all. She is still oppressively good, guys. Yeah, I, I don't understand why she just kind of disappeared. I do I do get that, that you can get an Amora's Kiss-like effect from lower threat cost characters, sure. but... Everything else she brings to the table is just, just nuts. She brings so much control. And you can't underestimate her in just any team, Chris, because essentially, if the leadership benefits her in any slight way, this kit's already doing so much, right? And, you know, case right. in point, I have a good friend, Matt. He always plays her in Steve Avengers. It is terrifying. Mm. It is terrifying. Yeah. She can do That's so nasty. much in that team because of the superpower discount, right? And because she essentially has three active superpowers, which is more than most characters in the game. And she wants to do them all the time. So like Steve is a good team, but even other teams in the game that are more like attrition based. Yeah. She might not be better than a lot of four threats in X-Force or say guardians, but she also brings things to those teams that they might be missing entirely. That they're lacking. So right. her getting rerolls on her attack dice and defense dice from those teams, you know, X-Force and Guardians doesn't respectively hurt. doesn't hurt at all. So it's one of those things like that's probably a less prioritized route to take her. But at the same time, if you take her in those teams, she's still going to do Enchantress things. So she's one of these unique characters in the game, Chris, we have where AMG made such a well-defined kit and a strong character that just player where you want or player in a place you have glaringly obvious weaknesses and lack control, right? And maybe she can bring that control that you need in a team. But obviously you're going to play an Asgard and Cabal because it's fun. And those those are her core teams, you know? <laughs> and for a reason, she shines in both those teams. But Cabal, you nailed it when you said that that, that Red Skull leadership makes her sing. It can be terrifying. And I guess we haven't returned to Asgard in a while, Chris, but I mean, we just talked about her biggest weakness is potentially her health pool and just being delete off the board. But Asgard has their own version of exceptional healing. Odin's blessing gets around that whole issue with her, right? Where she's going to get to activate mm -hmm. basically no matter what, if you play it right and do all of her stuff, right? And survive. So there's reasons why she's in these teams lore wise, but obviously mechanically, there's really cool reasons she's in these teams. Now, play her where you want. I think she's a really neat character and and we're going to talk about, like we always do, Chris, finishing our strategy section, her model. So I think it's one of those models that came out earlier in the game that yes, we were pretty floored by this box in particular when they released the images of Angela and Enchantress. Yes. Jaw on the ground floored. I, I remember because this was, Angela especially yes. was really just kind of the first foray into the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the level of ridiculousness they would start thinking about with these sculpts. 
Angela flew, so Lizard, you know, could really just ride the right. rocket to the stratosphere, you know? I mean, it's just one of those things, like, these models are so evocative of the characters. And, you know, we talked about before, there is power in the simplicity of a Luke Cage crossing his arms, standing still. There is power in a Thor just holding his hammer above his head, and a Valkyrie holding her swords, you know, going forward. But I think when they dropped these characters in particular, Asgard really started coming out more as just a, a visual team, you know, because they are unique. They all, they're a smaller team that have unique pillars of their look. Of course, the Asgardian lore but enchantress her hands out she's enchanting she's floating on the magic this is our first instance of seeing the magic in the game which they expand on later and other characters right right like we wouldn't have mysterio without this either in her capes flying behind her hairs flying behind her it's what you want i mean it she is doing the enchantress thing it's a good sculpt it's a good model it's it, it still holds up well it's not uh it's not quite as game changing as as we thought but it does hold up 100 percent I'm always scared to see Enchantress across the board from me, but I'm never displeased. Absolutely. She's a great character, Chris. And, you know, let's not forget, we talked about this on our Danny episode and many other episodes of the past. You also just can't discredit the power of a character that gets two power every turn. 100%. She can double interact with two objectives round one. She can do a lot of things in the game involving objectives that other characters can't do innately. This is why the Asgardian team is so cool, Chris, because it's more than just the Thor leadership. It's that they're all Asgardian as well. And AMG kind of committed to that, and I love it. Every Asgardian that's come out in the game gets two power. It's innate to their character. And now we're seeing it on other characters like the Immortal Iron Fist or the Ancient One, where it's like, they're not Asgardian, but they've got different facets of their character that give them two power or every round as well. It's, it's just very cool, and I love it. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Follow our show on social media. Find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at Fury's Finest, and email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com with any inquiries, ideas, or questions. If you can leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice, it really helps us out. As Chris mentioned recently, Spotify now has the ability to rate. That's huge because we know a lot of you out there are Spotify listeners. We would love to have a review from you because you obviously didn't have the ability to potentially from Apple or a different platform until now. So that would really help us out. And the podcast part of Spotify, Chris, grows by the day. It's crazy. It's uh, an interesting space for sure. And it's it's huge. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And like Jesse said, help spread the word. It just always helps, guys. Like we say it every week. And thank you so much to those of you that are still listening to this point. But right. it really, it just helps so much. We would really love to be able to do, you know, two shows a week if we could. Absolutely. And that's the goal one day, potentially, if we get to that point, we can make this actually more than just fun, Chris. But like, you know, we're doing this actually as a job. That'd be that'd be the dream in a lot of ways. So things like Spotify, things like reviews, things like subscribing and sharing the show really help us do that. So we cannot thank you enough. Of course, you can find Chris and I on social media and discuss any sort of Marvel content or not Marvel content you want with us. You can find me, Jesse, on Twitter at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. And you could find me, Chris, on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Well, Chris, it's fun to return to Asgard. Listener, stay tuned for our next main episode of the show where we dive into more Asgard, Chris, because we're, we're diving into a character I've been looking forward to a long time. Me too, because... 
I love her play style. I love her sculpt. I love the character design. She has an interesting history outside of the pages. It's going to be cool. It's going to be fun to learn more about her in the in the actual MCP realm, too, because I haven't got to play with her. I, I've played against her quite a bit, but I actually haven't got to use her on the tabletop, and I've always tried to squeeze her into teams, but someone smarter than me always talks me out of it. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> hey, man, she might fit in that X-Force team straight up. She might. I know. I was kind of thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, she really might. But that's Angela, so stay tuned for that because this is going to be a mini-series on Asgard before we jump into other content. So until then, thanks for listening, True Believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 